Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the program, and it is show number 171. Good afternoon. Happy to be with you. Happy to be on. We did take a little break here to kick off the summer, so uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've had uh, our, our latest show. So happy to be back on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Uh, as well as a member of Voice Ed Radio Canada, my friend Stephen Hurley up in Canada there doing great things. Uh, we are live on Facebook here through Be Live. Again, I would love your participation in the show, certainly a comment, question, uh, and participation. But happy to be on and uh, rolling. Hope you all are well through this uh, summertime. I do want to thank today's sponsor of the program, Rios Gear Sunglasses. Here they are. We're going to be talking to a beach lover, a surfer, a boarder. Uh, Rios Gear. These sunglasses float. I did. I was just up on Lake Champlain up in, uh, you know, northern New York, Vermont area. And, uh, man, they were great. You know, you could jump in the water and just pick them right up. They float. Use code Murata15. Rios Gear uh, Sunglasses. They float. So if you're out and about on the water, check them out. Happy for them to be sponsoring uh, today's podcast. Let's get rolling. We are going to meet today's guest here, Dr. Frank Rudneski. Uh, Frank is down in uh, southern Jersey, uh, as he was calling it, uh, Philadelphia area. Um, he's a principal. He's an author. He is an energetic guy, uh, fired up leadership. And I am pumped to talk to him about that. And I took a quote from the opening of his book, Fired Up Leadership. And here it is. It was great. I got the blur on so you can't see it, but I'm going to read it. And the quote is from Julie Lang, and I'm going to ask Frank about it. But man, what a great way to start the book. Um, it's called Leader. The bright star that leads the way. The sun that provides the world with light. The rain that falls only in hopes of success and growth. Wishing to inflict pain and failure upon no one. The rainbow that accepts all just the way they are, the weeping willow that now stands tall, the soft whisper of wind that blows until movement has occurred. That's you. And you have made the world a better place. Be the change you want to see in the world. Julie Lang. I loved it. Uh, Frank opened the book with that and uh, really fantastic. Got me thinking about my own leadership. Got me thinking about um, you know, things I want to do this summer before we roll into another school year in September. Uh, but yeah, again, not wanting to have pain or, or failure upon anyone, uh, accepting people the way they are, right? Sometimes I, 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 I'm, I'm guilty of over trying, right? Over trying to help people uh, versus accepting them where they are. So I learned a lot in that poem. Um, and I want to thank Frank and I want to ask him about it. Let's, let's get him in here. He's going to be the star of the show here. Uh, I do want to wake up. There's the dog he was talking about, That's Dr. It. Frank Vanessa. Welcome to the program, Frank. 
Well, thank you for having me, my educational brother. And uh, yeah, the dog was right on cue. So yeah, th thank you, Winnie, for, for doing that. Is Winnie right not, there? Can Winnie come up to the get on camera? She will. She will probably be up at some point. My wife just happened to walk into from from shopping, but go figure. Everybody wants to see the show. I did not know you were opening the show with Julie's poem, and what a way to open that show. I mean, every time it, it brings tears to my eyes. That person, that wonderful human being, she just finished her second year of teaching, and. I don't know if you want me to talk about her, but a little yeah, bit. Yeah, let's start right with that, Frank. Tell me, tell me what, you know, what, who is Julie Lang, and what made you open the book with that? Uh, I'm going to start off with the most recent thing. When I was thinking about someone I wanted to write the forward of this new book, and I look around and see all the other authors have these famous people, and probably sell more books by having someone famous write your forward. But emotionally, for me, uh, the epitome of my educational career is how successful your students and the people around you become. And Julie, if you want to measure her success, uh, she was sitting in the front row of uh, a unit I was doing. One of my goals as a middle school principal was to give a lesson to every middle schooler by the end of the year. So that's what I did. We start training 10 year olds and giving them opportunities for leadership, taking that pyramid, turning it upside down, showing, mm. showing them it's not, not a position, it's not popularity, but it's a choice. So Julie tells the story that she was sitting in the first row uh, of her seventh grade class, and I pulled out a, an index card from my pocket and showed the students my goals for the week and, and the year. And she, one, one of the things that stuck in her mind, and that following year, she moved uh, from New Jersey to North Carolina because uh, her, her uh, parents at the time, it, it was a, a job switch. And she had a very painful operation mm. where with CP, cerebral palsy, wow. everything doesn't grow or work right at the same time. For her, it was a learning disability and uh, physically the way she walked. So she had to have her Achilles tendons cut, stretched, screwed in the bottom of her feet as, as she grew. Very painful for everybody. But the way she connected it was with her goals. Uh, she said she could have blamed God, her parents, the world. But instead, she remembered that seventh grade talk where you set your goals, you write them down and proceed accordingly. Fine tune them as you go along. So in her case, very difficult and took it literally, but she wrote it down. She wanted to get that smile back. She wanted to put on her shoes and socks. She wanted to walk across the room. Wow. And she continued to stay in contact with me through high school. She wanted to take an AP English class, wrote it down, achieve that goal. She wanted to become one of her passions, an educator, wrote that down, applied and got accepted to Queens College in North Carolina into the education program. Wasn't able to finish with the rest of her classmates because she's unable to drive. So her transportation consisted of rides from friends, uh, buses, shuttles from the university, Ubers, and that's how she proceeded. So the last week at university at Queens College, she knew she wasn't going to graduate as a teacher, but was able to graduate with a social studies or history degree. Oh, nice. Decided to apply to graduate school. Come on. And 
become a teacher, pursue her. She had to do her student teaching as a graduate student because it was just too difficult, too many barriers, barriers for her to finish it all on time. So again, she just dug deep, started writing down those goals, contacted her mentors and found a way to make it happen. First day in the classroom, she said, was a train wreck. <laughs> the night before, she calls one of her mentors, one of her, one of her teachers from middle school, and she told her to bring something familiar with, with you, something from middle school, a pin that we gave her that said, there's no place like home. Pinned it to her lanyard, went in, and promptly got ridiculed by the students. Somebody ah. even threw a water bottle at her. Oh, man. No, crazy, right? It's like, uh, you know, that substitute teacher thing that, that you hear about and that, that you see if, if you're not an educator. If you're an educator, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, sure. Dug deep, finished, was able to get certified. I had some long-term substitution uh, experiences, and then she nailed it, got a first-time, full-time job, just finished her second year. She said, she, she says to me all the time, Dr. R, it's not easy, <laughs> but I'm doing it. I caught my dream. I'm living my dream. And hopefully the students are getting out of me what I got out of my teachers. So oh, what a beautiful nobody story. Nobody better to open that book up than, yeah. uh, than Julie yeah. Lang, that's for sure. And what a beautiful poem and, and kudos to you for doing that. Um, but Frank, as we get to know you here on the program, again, you were a principal in Linwood, New Jersey, again, invested in your students there, but tell me about this concept of fired up leadership. Where, where did this come from for you and, and what made you kind of write this book? Well, my first book was called 50 great things leaders do. Let's get fired up. Mm. We, we had a, a social studies teacher that uh, was raised down south north carolina and every time we did something amazing our school she would say let's get fired up y'all so that kind of <laughs> that kind of stuck with me except for the y'all part and as i proceeded as principal we tried to give everyone an opportunity for for leadership so we devised something called a leadership exchange our school was low on diversity meaning we had 90% Caucasian, had every religion represented, but not much diversity ethnically. So what we used to do is get a busload of our students and take them across the county, across the state to exchange ideas and leadership theory and mm. common sense with other students. Mm. And the students found out, let's say we were able to at one, one exchange go to a uh, a middle school that was totally opposite of our diversity. As a matter of fact, it was in Trenton. It was right across from a state prison. And wow. first kid gets off the bus. He said, Dr. R, is that, is that a prison? Because there's some guy in a tower there. That's yeah, it is. But let's go meet the kids. <laughs> so it, it was an amazing experience for them. So instead of me facilitating and the other teachers, they began to become the facilitators. So we tried to put something together uh, methodically, meaning uh, the first book, if you took 50 things that we wrote down, put them in a jar, threw them out on the table, picked up five or 10, you'd be a better person and a better leader. 
Mm. Now, with Fired Up Leadership, uh, eventually when I wrote the book, I devised four domains powered by your heart, passion. So that's what drives the other four domains, although they feed off of one another. So it came from a workshop that I was doing for middle schoolers. Now, as we proceeded, we used these same concepts with adults. So let's take the first domain, self-management organization. Now, everyone needs that. So uh, if you start having these habits as a 10-year-old, imagine what you could do when you are a 50-year-old if you stuck with it. In the beginning of the, of the book, when I start getting into the intro, it's what's the most powerful thing that you can do? Love. <laughs> so if you wake up every day with love and gratitude, imagine how you can achieve your goals. Now, do I do that every day? And, and my family asks me that all the time. No, I don't. You know, sometimes I hit the floor with that first foot and that second foot is stuck in cement. But my goal is happiness. My goal is true joy. And that's how I try to proceed. And if you can train your mind to wake up and proceed in a positive way, then that's part of the battle against yourself. So then I proceeded with the other four domains. Whoops, I'm sorry. Uh, communication, listening. Uh, critical thinking, problem solving, team building, service, character, and then that fifth domain that drives all the other ones, passion. Imagine this, if you, if I know your passion and you know mine, imagine the connections that we can make. Uh, Pre-show, we talked a little bit about skateboarding and, and surfing, how I got into that, because it was a passion of the students. Uh, when we were doing a service project and collecting things for the homeless shelter in Atlantic City, the AC Rescue Mission, uh, one of our goals was to collect new pairs of socks. So student came up to me. He said, hey, Dr. R, if you skateboard with us down the bike path, we will set a goal of collecting a thousand pairs of new socks. I said, oh, no. He said, no, Nate, you don't have to do the tricks and everything like we do, but it's a long board. It goes low and slow. So one of our teachers and a few students assembled a long board for me. And actually, it's, it's in my car right now, or, or I'd grab it and show it to you. They actually end up collecting, Andrew, 2,500 pairs of wow. new stacks for the AC rescue mission. And they, one of the things about service learning versus uh just doing service is the awareness that you create create all right we're setting a goal of collecting this but why are you doing it you know so the awareness component i think is the key for young people to start getting connected to the community for instance uh, all, all the time uh, i used to see my daughters hey i need service hours i need to collect service hours and I would always ask them, why? What are you doing it for? Well, because I want to be in a National Honor Society. No, 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 no. Why are you doing it? Why are you collecting canned food and clean clothes, et cetera? So then you enter that component of service and character and bingo. It changes. It's a paradigm shift for them.
Wow, that's beautiful. Uh, and and now the boarding is part of your life, the skateboarding. Uh, and how I about never the surfing? Thought, I never thought I would be passionate about skateboarding at my age. I didn't start skateboarding until I was 50 years old. So yeah, and, and now you do your, yeah, your video, we, you do the videos on the skateboard. Man, that you know, Andrew, that's my spirit world. When I talk about setting goals, I talk about balance, body, mind, heart, spirit. So where's your spirit for some people it's church or synagogue or mosque uh for other people it's meditation or mindfulness for me it's going down the boardwalk with nobody around or the people can be around but the looks i get priceless and it just puts me in a place i want to be it, it frees me <laughs> i love it i love it and frank you know before you got a, were an educator you were a magician yeah, tell me about that journey of being a magician and 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 how then you translated into a or or you know made yourself into an educational leader. You don't you don't miss anything, do you? I mean, you <laughs> you're you're hitting me hard here, but magic <laughs> one of my passions is uh, when I went to 3,010 miles away from my house in New Jersey, I went to the University of San Francisco on a more or less scholarships, grant money, etc. And but but I also needed a job, so I go to the career center at USF, there were two jobs available immediately, elevator operator or working in a magic shop. No brainer, magic shop. <laughs> so I, could, I always have been interested in magic, but never yeah. really pursued it uh, as a hobby or a career. So totally untrained, and it did say no experience necessary. I started, they started training me as a magician. So the target market was tourists tourists would enter out of this museum into our magic shop and we would start performing now if you've ever been to san francisco it's a pretty big market for street performers jugglers unicyclers magicians and i used to be a, a student of the game anything you're passionate about you put you'll put a lot a lot of time into so i started looking at these street performers and thinking wait a minute i can do that i can get a new or different pattern that will attract this bucket of money to pay for things like food. So that's what I started doing. I started doing street performing. And when I left the University of San Francisco, when I graduated, moved back to New Jersey, I opened up a magic shop on the Wildwood Boardwalk. And it was, it, it was, it was so cool. I, I graduated with a degree in business. And uh, I guess you could say a degree in magic as well. And I started performing as well. For instance, I was handcuffed, chained, nailed in a box and thrown in a river on purpose. Uh, one of my favorite magicians, Houdini, I, I studied. And at that time, you had to actually go to the library, do a, get a book to do a search for a book. And I just became... Uh, passionate about learning how Harry Houdini did some of this magic that he did. I even performed on Donald Trump's yacht when he had casinos in Atlantic City. Yes, that Donald Trump. And so that was a, that was a pretty cool thing. And at the time, he wasn't a politician, so yeah, uh, it, it was it was pretty cool. And it was uh, it was it was something that I was passionate. Now that's how I became an educator is that uh, on October 1st every year, the magic shop was shut down. They turned off my water and I started substitute teaching. So I found my calling. Like my first grade teacher said, someday 
by the grace of God, you will find your vocation. No idea what she was talking about, Andrew. We were six years old, right? But 20 some years later, uh, I found out that's one of the things I was supposed to do. Wow. And Frank, do you use the magic or like when you were a principal to, to get kids attention or tell stories? Uh, and in your presentations, when you speak now, is it part of your presentation? Well, with the, with, with the students, it was always an icebreaker or, or a connector. Yeah. And they would, uh, you know, when you're doing a magic trick, you never say, hey, uh, would you like to see a magic trick? But you kind of go in to the pattern and then it just happens. And that was uh, a, a, an amazing thing to connect with the, the students with. For Very popular at the talent shows I was. Uh, you know, <laughs> when I was in the classroom and then as, as a principal and during... Uh, when I do keynotes and things, depending on the situation, I, I, I work it in because it's uh, it, it's fun. It's one of those fun words. Yeah. Well, and the pressure to perform, you know, I used to officiate college basketball and that that role helped me a lot in, in my role as a leader because you're used to being on stage. You're used to being, uh, you know, you're a performer. So I would assume that that performing part of it has really helped you. It's, it's, it's like a pattern. It's what do you want the end result to be? You know, you want them to get this out of your speech or out of your workshop or out of your leadership exchange. A a absolutely. And it's just like on the basketball court, uh, it commands a certain part of attention to yes. th those people in, in the room or in the gym, et cetera. So it does, it, it has always been part of, trying to make that connection, even when they don't know what's happening. <laughs> nice. Uh, and again, if you're watching live, we're live here on Facebook, jump in with a question for Dr. Frank, or if you're watching the show afterwards, certainly put a comment in there. Uh, we'd love to have you uh, be part of the show. Uh, Frank, I see you wearing the Codebreaker hat. You, yes, your sir. book went through Codebreakers. Tell me about that relationship and, and the work that Brian Aspinall and, and his group is doing there. Well, th there's a section of my book called uh, calling the heretics outliers and disruptors. Now, disruptor spelt with an O-R more than not refers to disrupting the status quo for a positive outcome. Now, when I started talking to the code breakers and, and looked at their website, they are disrupting the status quo. It was like a message. <laughs> so during the pandemic, uh, one of the things I think it's done for us is connecting with people like you that we normally would not have connected with. So connected with this group of phenomenal educators around the world. And they were all like thinkers and they mm. were all with these great ideas. So that's how I got started with the code breakers. And if you take a look at, go to the website, uh, codebreakeredu.com. It's, you can see all the phenomenal authors, speakers, educators, and disruptors. And that's, those are the people I want at my leadership table. Those are the people that I want at, at my dinner table is, you know, bring them. And so many times during my academic career, I didn't have those opportunities for leadership. But now we're giving uh, everyone an opportunity. When I was a principal, the, the worst thing I, I, I never wanted to hear, the worst thing I did not want to hear was, or the worst thing I could hear was, hey, wait until you get Johnny. He is such a bad kid. And 
What I would do is I'd call John, Johnny down to the office immediately. Hey, Johnny, I heard a lot about you, man. How would you like to participate in this? We need those ideas from those people that never get thought of as leaders. And once you get everybody's ideas, then you can make the better decisions. Now people, those students especially, are looking at themselves differently to see not only who they are, but who they can become. And those like thinkers, like the, the, the code breakers, get together with them. And through social media, you could create these PLNs and get an answer almost immediately. I don't think yeah. you and I never would have hooked up if I never hooked up with the code breakers. I would, I would think that would be pretty safe to say. Well, and I love watching your videos and the, and the work you're doing. Frank, share with us, you, you, you're talking about leadership so much here, fired up. What are some things that you do on a daily basis? I see you have your stuff there. You got your, your jaw shirt on, your, your, your jersey short, you know. The, but what are some Thanks. things that you do on a daily basis to be successful and not getting eaten by jaws? <laughs> you know, it's Shark Week, by the way. Oh, is it? Is that it's, why you it's Shark that? Week. So this is a tribute to uh, that shark leadership out there, those sharks. And I don't know, you probably aren't uh, as old as I am. So you probably didn't get to see in June of 1975 when Jaws first came out into the movie theater. But but I, I, I did. So uh, yeah. What do I do on a daily basis? Well, one of the things I like to do, uh, I think goal setting is, is an extremely important part. And, and uh, you don't have to be a fanatic about it, but you can always write them down. I write them on beach balls. I used to have the kids write them, the people I worked with on beach balls because it's visible, tangible, and, and you could see it. One year, our boom, our, our theme, we had a yearly theme. One time it was, there's no place like home. Uh, uh, like that story with Julie. I gave everybody a gold brick. Everybody that worked in the building, the eighth graders painted them gold. And there you have it. Now write down your goals on one side for school and on the other side for home. Because mm. you need that balance with work and home. And if you don't have it in the long term, you won't be successful. So goal setting is another thing I like to do is have fun. Uh, I always wear these core boards, these surfboards. And uh, it has... Two of my eight core words are inspire and passion. So that's a daily reminder of who I want to be. Because sometimes we forget. We forget to be that person that we want around us. Uh, so fun is a big part of everything that I do. And is everyday fun? No, it, it's not. But if you can incorporate your passions into a lot of things that you do, then people see that. And they pass their passions. And they want to be the best you, the best them. So those are some daily things that I do. I think communication, hey, listen more, talk less. Mm -hmm. And I know you can't tell by our session today, but if you can practice listening, it's one of the most powerful tools in your leadership repertoire. Because as humans, we're always ready to talk, but are we always ready to listen? Someone just told me the other day, that's why I have two ears and one mouth, to, to listen more and talk less. Nice. Uh, so th those are things I do on a daily basis. One, another thing is I'm always thinking about service, service to the people around me. My personal mission statement is continually fine tune the quality of my life and the lives of the people around me through commitment and hard work while having fun. So I think that kind of incorporates a lot of the leadership things that, that I, I want to 
I want to pass on in a, in a positive way. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you, you, you just recited that there, obviously that's something you say and do all the time. Tell me about developing that, Frank. You, you know, well, first, uh, when, when I do it with kids uh, or, or even adults, I pass around something tangible that connects them for in, for an easy thing in our area is a beach ball, you know, so blow up a beach ball, start passing it around the room, put one word that describes you. Sometimes I ask, put one word that describes leadership for you. Or sometimes I put one, sit, put one word that describes love because love and leadership mm. are a lot alike. Without love, mm. there is no leadership. So the start is writing down those words that you're connected to. Then it's, it's not something that you develop overnight, but it's something that you start to think about quotes write down now write down start writing down the quotes that appeal to you it doesn't have to be your quotes it could be anybody's quotes so now you have words that you want to be and the number one word by the way it's it, actually a group of words for kids and adults between the ages of 10 and 70 is always something connected to character and or integrity so people want to be leaders with high levels of integrity. So now, now you have a start of who you want to be. Now, what are you passionate about? Find that one thing you can't live without or several things. Write down 10 things that make you happy. Now go spend time doing those 10 things. Mm -hmm. Write down five people that make you feel good about yourself. Spend time with those people, it, whether it's a Hey, a Google Hangout, whether it's a phone call, whether it's a text, whether it's social media. And I tell young people all the time, you know, those people with their posting on Facebook, that's not really how their life is. You understand that, right? <laughs> you know, so now we have thinkers that are becoming doers. So that's that's how I get people started writing their mission statement. When I wrote mine 20 years ago, when I first started doing this, it was a page long. But it has to be something that you can recite. The same thing about a vision statement or a mission statement in any organization. If you can't recite it, then it's useless. <laughs> so we painted it on the wall in our middle school. We inspire lifelong learners and leaders. And mm. everybody could had every everybody in that building that came through that wall, that threshold, could recite our mission statement. And it got them started thinking about who they wanted to be. I, I know it. this is a long answer, but one yeah. more thing. On the wall in our middle school, we had eighth graders create these tiles. So one of the things they did before they were promoted to high school was create a tile. We called it the Bellhaven Renaissance Wall of Acceptance. So leave a message of peace, hope, love, and acceptance. And mm. they were only six by six inch tiles, and it's still going on. And what an, what an amazing legacy to leave. What do you want people, how do you want people to talk about you at the dinner table? And if you're an educator, they're talking about you, Andrew. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And they're still doing it. So those messages stay on the tiles and they fill the school. Right. And they give wow. them something positive to talk about. And you wouldn't, kids would come back years later and say, there's my tile. Or... Yeah they would try to trick me and say, hey, do you know where my brother's or sister's tile is? 
So I had to, I had to have a map. I, I had uh, one of my secretaries create a map for me. Wow. So, okay, the people from 2008, this is where their section is. So I could go to that and I would say, well, what year did your brother or your sister graduate? 2008, okay. And I would go to that section. <laughs> so uh, I had to stay a step ahead of them. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Frank, those are great stories, great things for leadership at such a at such a young age um, to, to have that impact. Um, Frank, you have another project in the works, you know, in the and under the fired up umbrella here of the work you're doing. But you have another project, a, a collaborative one uh, with somebody. We Can you share a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, one thing during the pandemic is uh, someone I knew from New Jersey uh, wanted to collaborate on a project. So uh, she said, how about a book, uh, Michelle Rispo Hill? And before I knew it, she had this book started and she threw out a name to me. How about Fired Up Teachership? Mm. To be second in a series of who you are and what you do and to get people attracted to this profession to help pre-service teachers, to help struggling teachers, to inspire teachers in general. Hey, what a great idea. So the pandemic gave us time to develop uh, this concept. Uh, we just signed a contract with Codebreaker for the book uh, last week. So it'll be finished in a couple of weeks or less. And hopefully we can get that out uh, depending on uh, all the other wonderful, amazing things that Codebreaker is doing and uh, have that stamped sign of approval by the Codebreaker family. Love it. And here we are, while we're on a break from school, teachers are, are sharpening their saw. They're getting some much needed, well-deserved rest here. What can a yes. teacher uh, expect from that project when they come back in September and that book is out? Uh, what will they, what will they see there and, and learn there? Well, one thing that's important is that teachers look at themselves as leaders. Uh, I, I've had so many con conversations with teachers and they associate it strictly with administration or, or position. And I would always tell the people that I hired that once you walk through that door, hey, guess what? You need to accept your role as a leader. You, you need to make that choice. So they can expect uh, to keep themselves balanced. You know, that balance in body, mind, heart, spirit, that balance in home and school, you know, that balance and keeping themselves healthy. So many people are getting burned out before the pandemic. So many educators were getting burned out their first and second years because they didn't have the support they needed. So we lay out there how to get connected, how to stay connected, not to be off on that island, try different things, find like-minded people, start those PLNs and always believe in yourself. Those qualities are there. Who are your favorite teachers? I guarantee your favorite teachers, a combination of their qualities will end up being a combination of your qualities. And you will be one of those teachers that people want to come to their class. There's, I don't, there's Winnie again. Yeah. She, she's, she wants to join the show is really why she's barking. Why don't you bring her in? Let's see her. Winnie, her Winnie. Come up. Bring Winnie we, up. Like, we like all types here. <laughs> uh, do you have any pets? I do. We have Ruby. Ruby's joined the show a number of times. Uh, does Winnie yes. go on the uh, on the board? Uh, I'm sorry. Does Winnie go on the the long board with you? She does not. She will uh, get in the pool 
once in a while when my daughter throws her in there, but uh, not, <laughs> not, uh, she's not a water dog. She's a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. I never heard of one either until my daughter was watching Animal Planet. And this is our third uh, oh, Cavalier. Wow. Come on, Winnie. <laughs> Winnie, bring her up. <laughs> While uh, while we're waiting for the appearance for, for Winnie here, uh, Frank, we're coming down the stretch of the show. Before Winnie. we get to rapid fire, was, it, was there anything else you wanted to share? Was there something that I didn't ask you about that you wanted to share? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm so interested in, in what you do, too. And I know you brought me in as a guest. And uh, but what do you what do you consider the most essential quality of a leader? I love it. Let's bring Winnie in here. Uh, yeah, here she comes. Well, Winnie, <laughs> That's why she was barking, Frank. She wanted to come on the program here on Education. Yeah, to, uh, I think she wanted a bone, too. Oh, <laughs> look at that. She's beautiful. Yeah, well, well, what a, Hi, uh, Winnie. Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond. <laughs> that's uh, all the barking was about. <laughs> Frank, to answer your question, um, you know, just like you, I, I have my, my, my theme of surviving and thriving and, and those words on my logo, uh, they, they are the things that I try to live and, and be on there. Uh, the extra effort, enthusiasm, energy, and, and all try, you know, trying to be excellent, right? Trying to be as high as excellence as we can be. So those are the points that I, I, I live by. And again, trying to get people to go from surviving to thriving. Yeah, I appreciate that. Anybody wants to get a hold of me and continue this conversation, uh, you can watch a show on Rerun. We do the Empower Half Hour every Wednesdays or summer hours or one o'clock. We're getting Andrew on our show soon, uh, hopefully. And uh, hit me up on social media. Be more than happy to extend this conversation. I'm doing a book study right now that you could jump in. It's, it's more of a slow crawl type of thing on Padlet. And it's never too late to jump in on, on that book study. So at Dr. Frank Rudd. Uh, be more than happy to uh, help each other out and exchange ideas. Uh, come visit you wherever you are in your school, your organization. So thank you. And thank you so much for this opportunity. Peace and love. I'll always win. I love it. Frank, before we're going to let you go, we got to get to rapid fire here. Um, but you mentioned your, uh, your tag there. So that's on Twitter, right? At Frank Rudd? Yes, sir. And Instagram as well. And Facebook. Cool. All right, Frank, we, before we let you go, these are these are rapid fire questions. The, the, the quickest answer that comes to mind, not an explanation, just the answer. Are you okay. ready? Are you fired yes. up, Frank? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Last book you read. Uh, was this one right here, Nine Perfect Strangers. <laughs> not, per, not Perfect Strangers? Nine Perfect Strangers. Oh, Nine Perfect Strangers. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last movie you saw. Jaws. <laughs> Shark Week. Uh, favorite place to travel? The beach. Favorite beach in New Jersey? Atlantic City. Are you a Bruce Springsteen fan? I wouldn't be allowed in New Jersey if I wasn't. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> uh, what's a pet peeve of yours, Frank? You shared a lot of passions. What's a pet peeve of yours? People that don't believe in themselves. Mm. That's a yeah, and then yeah. I mean, part of our role is to help that, right? Yes, yes, and part of, part of my mission, part of your mission too. On a Saturday morning at eight a.m., I feel fired up. <laughs> <laughs> your go-to stress reliever. Uh, 
music. Nice. Give me your, give me your, give me some of your some of your songs that that, that warm your heart. There. It's uh well the 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 most epic album is Springsteen, uh, Born to Run. But I, I'm across all genres. Uh, Boys to Men, Prince, uh, Tina Turner, uh, Whitney Houston. Um, all classic rock and roll, uh, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, on and on and on. Uh, newer uh, artists, uh, I, I check with my daughters, whatever they're listening to. So uh, they, they turn me on to TikTok, yeah, and TikTok has, is, is all over the place. <laughs> Harry Styles, uh, One Direction, uh, all the boy bands get you fired up <laughs> and, and, and dancing. Uh, I've been to... 68 Grateful Dead shows before Jerry Garcia died in 1995. Come on, really? And, and this, uh, the concerts I'm going to this year are Dead and Company in August, uh, Counting Crows in August, Eric Church in October, Genesis in December. Genesis is still playing? Phil Collins back with them? He, he, he has some kind of degenerative disease. He can't get up and dance, but he sits in a chair and plays and they wow. sound pretty good from what i've seen wow wow best purchase under a hundred bucks that has had a great impact on your life uh a longboard skateboard <laughs> that you you were passionate about it something about frank radesky that uh people do not know about i uh put my shoes on left foot first <laughs> <laughs> Frank, you dropped a lot of knowledge here. It's been great to talk to you here on the program. Uh, how about a quote to end the show? Do you have something that uh, you want to share here, a, a quote that's your favorite? Sure. It, it, it's one of mine, and that's not why it's my favorite, but I think it kind of wraps up uh, what we're trying to do, is that the biggest form of identity theft is telling someone they can't accomplish something. Hmm. Say that one more time. The biggest form of identity theft is telling someone they can't accomplish something. Wow. This was Dr. Frank, everybody, here on Education Leadership Beyond. Frank, that was awesome. I appreciate you. Let's definitely get together. I'm not too far from you. Yes, I love the, uh, the the brotherly uh, city there, Philadelphia. How far? Uh, yeah. yeah. How far are you from Philly? Uh, we're about two and a half hours. I'm up in the northeast corner of uh, uh, Pennsylvania, right on the border, New York, New Jersey, and PA. Well, we'll definitely meet in person. I appreciate yeah, a little, you. Little, little throughway north there, a little turnpike north. Uh, Frank mentioned his uh, Twitter there, at Dr. Frank Rudd. Um, and Frank, I appreciate it. I love the fired up message. And I'm looking forward to when that book comes out and the work you're doing with Code Breaker. Thank you, sir. I appreciate right. you. You stay on the line, Frank. This was show number 171. Again, before we go, I want to uh, thank our sponsor. Frank, you're a, a beach guy. We got to get you a pair of Rios gear. They float. Uh, yes. Use, use code Murata15 for your discount. I'm going to see if I get a pair in your hands. There we go. Uh, Dr. Frank, everyone, we're going to sign off here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Thank you for tuning in. If I could help you in any way, don't hesitate to reach out at Andrew Murata21 on Twitter. Keep rolling, everyone, and get fired up. Here we go, signing off on the program. Thank you. Mm -hmm.